Hello everybody and welcome to episode 76 of the Alien vs Predator Galaxy podcast. This is regular host Corporal Hicks aka Aaron Percival and joining me is my regular partner in crime, Ridged Up. Hey everyone. I'd like to welcome our third guest who is my, uh, my, my buddy who occasionally comes on and joins us. He was on relatively recently for the Cold Forge episode actually because as we learned Ridge Top leaves the reading things to the last minute. Hey, hey. That's true, but I've been better. <laughs> I've been better about it lately. Okay, I hey, did the whoa. Predator prequel novel. Wait, when did you finish reading Defiance? Uh, just a few minutes ago. <laughs> 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 but I did it. All right. Uh, if you didn't recognize the chuckle, we're, we're joined by my mate Chevy. Hey, Rob. How you doing, mate? Uh, I'm always good. good. Try to be. Yeah, try to be. That, that's the important thing. Um, so if I haven't just completely given it away as well, we're also going to be talking about Aliens Defiant. Long um, time coming. Yeah. This has been out for a little while, hasn't it? So it came out in April of 2014, uh, a few days after Alien Day, and it didn't wrap up until just over a year later in June of 2017. So, you know, it's been over a year since this um, this series was released, and we haven't done a podcast on it. And do you want to know why... Why we didn't do a podcast on it? Because I took so long reading? No, not that. <laughs> it's taken four years. <laughs> for it to... we, we expect him to be that, that late with them. Okay, enough. <laughs> <laughs> so the reason we actually haven't, I haven't pushed for a podcast is because I had um, really bad memories of it. I think if anybody's learned anything about me uh, over listening to the, you know, the podcast, is that I can't be bothered to spend energy talking about stuff that I don't, I don't really like. So I always push these kind of things into the, uh, you know, to the back. So when they announced that Aliens Resistance was coming out at the um, the start of 2019, I thought it was time that we finally actually go back and revisit Defiance. And Resistance, of course, is a, a double sequel to both Defiance and the video game Alien Isolation. Indeed, so we'll be seeing Zula Hendricks and Amanda Ripley back. So, yeah, you know, it's a good time to revisit um, Defiance, don't you reckon? Yeah, and both, um, uh, there were how many issues in total? Like 11 or 12? 12, 12 yeah. They were collected in two paperback graphic novels, uh-huh. which uh, they're good, you know, compilations if, if you haven't read it yet uh it's good to just pick them up all all as one so you don't have to wait for the next issues to come out which is why i I usually take so long reading things sometimes is because i do prefer reading them all through like a graphic novel format as opposed to like a comic book where you're just reading an issue and waiting for the next one Uh well ribbon aside (laughs) they they are easily available you know it's a shame we haven't got a big uh, fat hardback like they did for the um, Fire and Stone and Life and Death series, because I think they were all about 12 issues each as well, overall, combined. But Really? Yes. I, I thought they were more than that. Oh, no, you're right, because of the... Um, the, the, the Prometheus. The, the one-shots, yeah, you're right. And, and then right, extended one-shots. So they were a little longer than, than Defiance was. Um, so it's a shame we haven't actually seen a nice, fancy, uh, fancy one of those. It's always possible we'll get one with Defiance. Resistance. Resistance. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> the brain farts have already started. Already started. So I think at twelve issues, this is actually the longest running Aliens title. Before this, it was a series known as it's it's a cursed name. This Colonial Marines. Don't think any of you guys will have read that one, will you? No, that's one of the ones oh. I've I've missed. That wasn't in any of the omnibuses, was it? No, it was. It was in volume three. Oh, I must have read it then. It's just probably been a while. Yeah, well, it's it's terrible. <laughs> From what I remember anyway, that was all over the place. Um, I actually had some of the you know same sort of problems that this this run did with uh, different artists and creative teams. And that that was I think that was a 10 issue run. It was originally planned as a 12 issue run that they just cut short. But yeah, um, we're, we're not talking about that one. We're talking about Defiance. And it was Defiance was nowhere near as bad as uh, Colonial Marines, by the way. Uh, just putting that out there right now. But what did we think of them then? Ridgetop is, you know, you've literally, literally just finished reading this and it was your first run through of it. Do you want to give us your fresh off the press um, thoughts? On yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was I thought it was decent. I thought um, I 
I think it was stronger in its first half, and then it kind of started to lose me a bit. Uh-huh. That's the general sort of um, the general sort of comment that people make about about defiance. Yeah, but it was still. Uh, I mean, it still had me till the end. I think I told this to you earlier that it felt very episodic in nature, where it felt like I was. I was watching a aliens TV series as opposed to some of the other graphic novels that feel more like a movie structure. This felt very much, uh, episodic in nature. Uh-huh. I completely agree there, but y- are you saying that as if it's a bad thing? No, it's just, it's just different. It's just not what I'm typically used to when I, when I go through a, a graphic novel, but it was interesting in the sense too, that they used a lot of different artists for this. Of course you have Tristan Jones, um, and his artwork was just awesome really. And then, um, were there like two or three other artists? There were five in total, including Tristan. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it changed quite a bit. The style was mostly like you could still identify the characters. So while it did change things a little bit and there were definitely some inconsistencies I'll go into a bit later, you could easily identify things that had been before. So it was consistent enough that you could follow it, but it was still, a little jarring at times to to get so used to an art style because for most other uh, alien comic series, they maintain the same artists throughout a single run. Uh-huh. So this was different in that sense that they switch between five different artists. Another thing that I thought was cool was it very much had a lot of elements of alien isolation, especially in the first half of it. You have a working Joe uh, style character who's part of a Wailing Utani security force. And uh, he was definitely way more relatable than any of the working Joes you saw in isolation. He was one of the androids that wants to be more human, as we sometimes see. And uh, that played out pretty interesting as well. So I, I enjoyed it. Uh, I'll go into the you know finer details of my thoughts as, as we continue our conversation here. But overall, probably like a solid 7 out of 10, I would say. Maybe 7.5. I would agree with you there. You see, the thing is for me, and I think, uh, Sheva, you're going to echo this after, is that I had memories of it actually being really disappointing. You know, when I read it on the initial singles, so unlike Ridgetop, I I do like to read them as as the issues um, come out, as the singles come out, because I always always hate that I missed that experience from the golden age, you know, back in the 90s. So I always try and enjoy it now while I've got got that, while these... um, alien and predator comics are you know coming out again regularly and that does have its own drawbacks you know dark horse aren't exactly consistent with the releases there are generally delays and pushbacks of a few of which this you know the defiance um, experienced which i think if i remember rightly if not then shoot me but Tristan himself, I think, caused some of them with how meticulous he was with his artwork. Um, and that he that was also the reason that the initial um, guest artists came on. But yeah, I, I have memories of it, of it being a really strong sort of opening, opening half, most of which Tristan, yeah, worked on. So, you know, you've got this, this fantastic first half with an artist who is, as far as I'm concerned up there with the best of them he's is you know he's up there with um den bouvet and uh, killian plunkett who you know tristan style is actually quite similar to is um looks very much like um plunkett's work um who worked on labyrinth if you don't recognize the artist's name um labyrinth is another one of the popular comics and it's one of my favorites actually everybody remembers who reads it everybody remembers that um you know that flashback with church in the hive and then, at least as far as my memory is concerned, it took a big nosedive. And, you know, we've got these three other artists who, while still good, are just not quite as comparable to um, to Jones. Um, and the story um, took a bit of an about turn. And then there was inconsistencies and stuff like that. And I just, I remember it being so disappointing. That's pretty much the reason I it's taken me this long to go back and revisit, revisit the um, the series. And you know what? I really, really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed sitting down and just reading the series through in, in one or two sittings. Yes, there are inconsistencies which do get on my tits because that kind of thing does. And again, we'll, we'll break it down later. They are, they, the, the other guys are good. Um, so the, the five artists that worked on the series were Tristan Jones, 
Um, Ricardo, oh my god, I'm going to butcher names here. Bocelli, who just did the third issue. Yeah, I was going to say there was there was one artist who only did a single issue, but all the others did multiple. That's right. Yeah. So Tony Brescini did four, eight, and nine. Um, Stephen Thompson did seven and ten, and Eduardo Francisco did eleven and twelve. And Tony, Stephen, and Eduardo, I think, had a very similar style to Tristan. You know, it wasn't the same, but it was reasonably similar and enough to give it a, a nice sense of visual continuity, I thought, with the biggest difference <laughs> being the uh, ever-changing design of um, the Europa, the ship. But otherwise, yeah, it, it worked. I thought it was good. I, I would agree with you in that it, it was a solid 7 out of 10. If I'd have been basing this on my run through of the the singles, I would have probably said about five or six. So being able to just sit through and read it all in one go, even though, like you said, it is episodic in nature, and I'm sure we'll talk about that as well later. So that's actually something I really, really like about it. It it, it was just a better experience just just binging it. It was you know it's like binging the new Daredevil when it shows up on Netflix, that kind of thing. So yeah, that's my opinion in short. So uh, Chevy, what are your thoughts? Okay, so we've got a lot of mirroring opinions across both of you uh, for me. But I will state up front that this was actually the first Aliens comic I ever read. You're not a fan, are you? I, I, I struggle getting into comics because I, I don't like I don't like gaps in between episodes. So my my first run-through, because I remember you talking me into getting it, because like, oh, the first few episodes are amazing. So I'm like, yeah, deal me in. Like, I, I got you to go to your comic book shop, get me some, get me up to date with the issues. I remember, like, yeah, the first the first issues are great, and then I like reading things through quickly. So it's like I lost interest like every month, and then something happens later on, and it's like, oh my god, this series sucks. However, recently you gave me the homework to go back and reread it all, and having been able to do it all in one go really helps Defiance. Really does. So I actually enjoyed it much more. I I, I didn't realize that Tristan Jones was this like really renowned artist for Alien. But he is amazing. Uh, I think I tweeted out a few uh, cells that he did. There's one where he play more, and it's just like there's carnage everywhere. It just looks the detail uh, is just amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, his oh. <clears throat> line art is just really fantastic. Like I have his work framed beautiful. on my wall. Yeah, it's absolutely beautiful. But overall, like the story was much better. But I think it's because it wasn't so broken up. Uh, like I said, I, I really prefer my stories. In, in like one go if i can or like over a few days uh it was much better than i remember it like you said there are inconsistencies there's like uh there's a covenant uh exclamation mark like <laughs> what the fuck but we'll get to that later but yeah overall it's much better than i remember so it'd be it's gonna be interesting to dig into it i will say i did like the artist who did the um uh, his work who did the final issue um trying to find exactly which artist that was that did the last issue that was eduardo francisco yeah i i probably that would be my second favorite artwork of of the run but like you said all of all of them were good just the ones that really stood out to me were tristan jones and eduardo's for sure yes fair enough that is fair enough indeed so, shall we start with the actual story then? Because that in itself, I think, was was a, a nice, unique story. So it's set around the same time as Isolation, and it focuses on a young uh, female African-American colonial marine who has a, um, uh, a disability, a uh, back injury from her first combat experience that pretty much rendered her in constant pain and needing to have... Uh, spinal therapy but still still in the military just very uh, limited in what she could do and and that premise in itself just having a colonial marine be a you know have a disability uh, was a really interesting take on it yes because we've never we've aside from ripley's i guess sort of mental anguish from from the first film they've never really focused on issues that people have i guess and to and to go with to go with a physical disability in a series that is i guess rather rather um locomotive and and physical gave her you know off the balance a nice she was different she was different to a lot of the other characters and even well no would you say davis was different because androids are, are, are quite 
quite frequent um you know additions additions to the stories and in even going as far as him you know it was it was the pinocchio sort of storyline um yeah pinocchio yeah the the real boy sort of storyline to it that i don't know that that didn't strike me as as massively unique it was interesting that the androids were part of a, a Wayland yutani security force and at the same time they were working joe style androids but the lead one davis uh very much seemed like um, kind of like Samuels in Alien Isolation, where he was just a good guy and developed this emotional connection to to Zula. Mm. They made a deal of him not being happy with his programming and you know actually working to rewrite himself and, and to give him more emotions and um, other experiences and stuff like that. I guess that's more of what I meant in regards to the, the Pinocchio thing not being massively unique, but then. I guess Alien hasn't really done that, has it? I suppose David, maybe, in terms of his um, character development. That gets a little too wacky, in my yeah. opinion. <laughs> but uh, no, it was interesting how he, he hacked himself and how he was talking about that he was more concerned about humanity than he was his orders from Wailing Utani, but he still had to protect uh, himself from them basically reprogramming him. And so he had to set up certain blocks that that wouldn't happen because this is essentially a fugitive story. But did did you want to just kind of go through that, Aaron, as to to how this whole thing kickstarts? Yeah, sure. I mean that that's where I I felt like it was it was unique in terms of an alien story because it is it is this fugitive story. It is these two characters, and it's these guys actively going out there and trying to combat the aliens you know i guess it's, i guess it's kind of like predator hunters in a way in that we finally had protagonists that were actively out there trying to do something about them but yeah you know do you, do you want to explain how it all kicks off and, and where the the plot sort of goes then oh um and by the way um, just in case we have any nitpickers the davises weren't joes as such they, they were designed with a um a noticeable sort of influence towards the joes uh, but they they were their own thing. They were different. Yeah, they just look like it. Obviously inspired by so much in the visuals. Um, you know, in this series, were inspired by um, isolation. Yeah, and there were some other things as well, like spacesuit from Prometheus. Uh-huh. There was that uh-huh. worn by a scientist, as well as uh, one of the submachine guns. I believe was from Aliens Colonial Marines. Yeah. So a couple little nods there, but the majority of the nods were to isolation you know there was even a stargate nod in there really where? yeah um you know about issue five or six where they get to the um the fuel depot one of the ships that's parked in in the um at the station it's pretty much uh, an ancient warship from stargate atlantis oh that's interesting i have to check that out anyway sorry anyway so we'll, we'll get to the actual story and how it gets moving here so zula had uh you know a pretty severe back injury that rendered her in constant pain. She lives on the moon space station and she is being sent out with a group of Wayland yutani security androids to check out this spacecraft that uh, has lost communication. And this is a Siegson ship they end up finding out. And so she's pretty much, as she puts it, a glorified key to just go there and punch in a code so the androids can... Uh, see what happened on the ship and salvage the ship on Wayland Yutani's behalf. Uh, they arrive at the ship and they discover it's infested with aliens. Zula kind of gets knocked out in you know the the rush of of battle and a number of the combat androids get killed, but she awakens to find that they have uh, pretty much taken the ship, cleared the alien infestation, and gone off far from Earth. And um, that's when she starts to you know, speak to this android who's the commander of this this group of androids, Davis. Oh, one. Davis one, who had pretty much discovered that Wailing Yutani knows about this alien infestation and wanted them to retrieve it. But he has essentially gone AWOL because he says, you know, that obviously this outbreak is going to spread and contaminate the earth. And in defense of humanity, I can't allow that to happen. And then they kind of go on this little... Uh, they find multiple space stations that have all been infested, which was kind of interesting because it's, again, it's a very similar premise to isolation where you have a space station that has an alien infestation, but you find out around the same time there are all these other stations that are infected, which was kind of strange. 
Like it seemed like it just kind of happened out of nowhere and they didn't really go in t- with too much detail as to how these stations were infected, just that they were going around to these different stations that they, he had gotten access to all of Wayland Yutani's knowledge about the alien and they had found these different locations where these outbreaks were and they had gone to pretty much just clear any signs of, of the outbreaks. But during this time, the, the other androids kind of, they feel like their commander has gone too far and they should be following Wayland's orders. So there's a mutiny and, um, Zula and Davis pretty much kill all the other androids. And then they, uh, one of the stations they go to, they find uh, a lone survivor, this uh, female scientist, Dr. Hollis, Uh I believe is her name. Yeah, that's right. And right when they find her, the, um, of course, I'm giving the broad drugs here. Uh, But after they find her, a Marine ship shows up because Zula has been contacting her physician. She's been in like immense amount amounts of pain and her um her doctor actually initially contacted her saying i just care about you you're not better without my help and i can get you safe passage back home and we'll figure it out just contact me um it's kind of like i don't know it's a little ambiguous as to whether or not she betrayed her but later on it it seems like she she didn't so i'm not sure if marines just intercepted the transmission and found where they were if I remember rightly, there is some speculation in there that the Marines were ready for this the moment they all went AWOL and they were just waiting for that first ping of a signal. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that I mean, it's not explicitly stated. It, it could have been the Doctor, but like you say, given how she acts in the last uh, couple of issues of the run, uh, it's more than likely that it was just it wasn't her betraying them and they literally just went the moment they got some indication of where the uh where the europa was and chris the uh alien covenant nod you had alluded to earlier were you referring to um dr hollis getting infected yeah yeah so she's chased down by a bunch of face huggers and trapped behind this door this face hugger does not even attach itself to her face it literally drops like slime in her mouth but it, it doesn't like fully latch onto her face. They rescue her, but she's still been impregnated. And and yeah, that was a pretty big groan inducing moment for me as well. I was just like, really? We're doing we're doing that covenant thing. Like I don't like that. I know there's the the cold forge idea, which I'm not gonna try and pronounce it, that you did the video on. Yeah, plagiarious prepotence, I think it is. But I'm still a subscriber to the embryo implantation idea. But yeah, hey, it, that's just it's me. about this this area here. Is where I started thinking, oh god, sucks. <laughs> D- during your initial read through, or yeah, even during your initial read through, yeah. But even if we go with the idea that she was infected before she was attacked by the facehuggers, it, it it begs the question of why the facehuggers were attacking her in the first place, and if she was um, impregnated during that attack. Which was actually nice, a quite nice little callback to uh, the Berserker series. Actually, I thought. Uh, but even if she was impregnated then, the queen seems to gestate too fast. If we're going by Alien 3 rules, if, yeah. Yeah, so it's like it's a bit of a lose-lose situation there. But yeah, that, that is one of the points that I, I disliked about the, um, the series. It's one of the things that made me be like, ugh. There are a few inconsistencies throughout the run that are... They are irritating, basically. And they, they can amount to, to ruining you know, the, the entire experience um, for some, I guess. I mean, Beyond just the ship, you mean? Beyond just the ship, yeah. Like what, like what else? Maybe inconsistency is the wrong word for it. It's more like plot elements that don't quite marry up, I guess. So yeah. they're, they're, little, they're little niggles, and it, it kind of goes back to what you were saying earlier about that TV feel, um, where something stated on in an earlier episode and a later episode comes and just um, ignores it or overrides it or whatever. So there's things like uh, Davis, um, Davis Zero One, you know, early on, um, issue two, I think it might have been, they do a spacewalk, jump across to the uh, from the Europa to um, LV4440 or something like that. And Davis says, you know, I'm fine to go without a spacesuit. I was designed to last up to a minute um, in in vacuum. Fast forward to issue ten or eleven, and then he's out there for a long time. Yeah, yeah, and then things like the Queen later on. Um, so you know, after after they escape the fuel depot with Hollis infected with the Queen, 
and they cut it out they decide to keep it and later they use it as a weapon when they're boarded by pirates i know what you're gonna say here i think the queen they they literally say the queen doesn't have a scratch on her after she's killed all the pirates Mm -hmm. then the next time we see the queen she's dead like littered with bullet holes yeah (laughs) so they're only little things but they're annoying it was that bad chevy thought you'd miss something <laughs> i did too i went back and I'm checked I was like, did I? yeah i was like did i skip a page here like what happened because they they literally say oh look the queen hardly has a scratch on her after she killed all the pirates but they mention it they're like hopefully they'll mortally wound the queen or something like that and then they just none of them mention the queen until they're back on earth and then the queen is just floating in one of the corridors dead looking like it's been shredded and i'm like when did that happen like they specifically said she have a scratch on her she hardly had a scratch on her Uh so that that was a very big like like really what happened there so yeah the story did have moments of of being disjointed but we veered a little bit off just going through the the beats so yes they go from station to station they run in with the colonial marines which they they shoot and kill some of the colonial marines that are escaping with a specimen that's another weird thing this comic really painted the colonial marines in a very negative light like um they they also knew about the aliens and they were working with Wayland yutani they were essentially on Wayland yutani's payroll helping Wayland yutani get the specimen which is is very much felt at odds to the colonial marine vibe we saw in the second film aliens and how they you know were going about a potential alien infestation. Well, remember, this is set a good while before uh, aliens yeah. anyway, so changing management kind of thing. Yeah, I, I, I could kind of see that, but still it felt very weird to have the Colonial Marines so hell-bent on getting this alien specimen for Wailing Yutani. But I guess, you know, corruption being what it is, you can you can kind of buy that. And they go into that later when, when Zula's being court-martialed and she kind of challenges one of the commanding officers there on you know, how he's pretty much just wants the alien and doesn't care about anything else. And they kind of just want it to end there and let her go, I guess, because they, they didn't want any more inquiry into that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so they, they face the colonial Marines. They pretty much clear these different stations of infections or drifting ships. They run into pirates. Um, like I said, the scientist was infected with a queen and she surgically removes it herself which was kind of a cool scene, kind of a, a harken back to Prometheus as well with the, the med pod, except not in a pod. She's literally just holding a scalpel and uh, pumping herself full of drugs and uh, performing surgery on herself. So, yeah, and, and they kind of go into the fact that the alien left a bit of um, biomass inside of her. I think it was more just she had an infection after the thing, because that was another thing between issues, weren't it? When, when it ended with the operation, she was actually all right. But then when the next issue started, she was um, not all right. And they said something no, about... you say that it, it would be very beneficial for the host not to survive. Yeah, which implies that she would have otherwise. So that, that was another weird thing, like you sometimes see in the expanded universe, like with ACM, how they have the plus idea where even if you surgically remove a, a chestburster, you cannot survive because the infection ultimately kill you regardless. And I've again, that's an idea I've never liked and have never gone with myself. Um, but it didn't seem like they were fully doing that with this one. They were kind of, and it was never explicitly stated that she was going to die. Um, I thought that it was implied they were going to kill her. Wayland Yutani do it. Yeah. End. Yeah. Wayland Yutani yeah. was, was going to kill her. But anyway, Zula has been secretly talking to her physician, trying to secure this way back to earth because they don't see this kind of vigilante mission they have going on as, as sustainable. Especially when the ship stops falling to pieces. Exactly. Yeah. And the Android Davis is kind of irritated with her because he's like, well, we fought so hard to keep the alien out of their hands and now we're just literally going to hand it to them. And so, but her argument is like, look, I'm going to die out here and she's going to die out here and this is not a sustainable mission. So you really see this kind of conflict in the sense that she knows what they're doing is right, but at the same time, she she's sick of dealing with her pain and she really wants treatment. Um, and so she's doubting herself and whether or not she's doing the right course of action by um, potentially jeopardizing everything by tr- by trusting her doctor, who could be totally, you know, again, bought off by Wayland Yutani. And so they go back to Earth, and again, the queen is is mysteriously dead and the luna base opens fire on the ship because they were like well we were hoping for a live specimen which again that was weird it's like 
you still have a queen right there. And you had said in an earlier issue that they could clone the alien. So did did they could they detect the biomass? Because didn't doesn't Davis blow up the queen? No, they the they did detect. Body. No, he strapped like a. But it, that was before it it detonated. It was um I think it was already underwater when it detonated. Um, but they pretty much say that they they just cripple the ship so that it crashes into the ocean and they can retrieve the dead specimen but again it's like you could just board the ship and take them out like why why go through the trouble of doing that yeah that makes no sense yeah and 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 again they had said in a previous issue like they were literally destroying alien corpses so that they couldn't get their hands on a sample because they could own them so why would they fire up on the ship if if there was a queen full queen body right there that they could experiment on like that that again it would into the story where you see a lot more inconsistencies a lot more like wait what like things just don't make as much sense which yeah. is a shame so they yeah, they crash onto the, the ocean and then um they're all apprehended except for the android who's um they think he's dead and he's just at the bottom of the ocean with the ship um <clears throat> both the scientists and zula are in custody um the sign polis she's I guess uh, supposed to be dead. They they go in there and tell her they're going to extract whatever the alien left behind. And um, but it's implied by the the head guys there that they're just gonna kill her. Which which is weird because she was a good character. And I I hope like they ended up not doing that. And she's some she's back in the next one because I was like she was a good character. Like why didn't they just offer like that? Like I know Wayland Yutani's evil, but just the whole line of dialogue like oh it's better if she doesn't survive i'm like really like okay but so yeah that that was a bit strange just to have them build that character up and then just oh you know whatever kill her and but at the end zula is essentially discharged whatever arrangement she had with her physician i guess worked the marines put like a tracker in her body and the physician told her about it so she was able to uh deactivate it and then she joins with some sort of anti-military industrial complex resistance group. And they take a boat out to the wreckage of the ship. And she goes down and, and retrieves the CPU of uh, Davis's, you know, Android brain. And the story ends right there. So kind of on a setting it up for a sequel, of course. So the story, it was, you know, really engaging. And I like the characters a lot. I just feel like it really kind of fizzled out in the end, especially with how they offed dr hollis so abruptly and just the the actions and things that didn't make sense near the end of the story uh which it, it was a shame because the, the build-up like we were all saying in the first half was just so good um for it to kind of like go all over the place in the second half and again uh, with all the the stations that were infected there was only two just for uh, clarity's sake yeah but there were also multiple ships adrifted right or if i remember rightly they they are chasing ships or at least in one of the circumstances they're chasing ships that came from the station so the second station they visit at the very least hollis mentions that a colony ship showed up infected the station and then a load of infected ships shot off into um into into yeah. space and that's where some of them came from i think in terms of the first station they chase they track the europa's course back to that station which is why they go there and then from that point on i think they're tracking down yes some of the intel that they got from um from wayland Jutani, and then what they find out from from the the fuel depot and even then um the the something i actually quite liked was the comment that davis was like they're aware of something in the broadest sense of terms. So they didn't know the specifics of the alien. They just knew that there was some badass space beastie out there that um, they wanted to get their hands on to see what it was, yeah. um, basically. They kind of explain how the station was infected by a ship that arrived from a nearby planet or something like that, but they really they didn't go into it too much. There were a couple of interesting flashback sequences, one where you see uh, Zula's first battle and they say they're fighting bugs, which they're they're shooting back at them and there's mortars coming their way. So I'm like, did the Marines just call enemies bugs? Like, is that the whole thing of bugs? Like, I always took bugs as just non-xenomorph alien infestations. Um, but this kind of implies like enemy human insurgencies are, are nicknamed that or something. Well, what did you think of that, Sherry? I, I really, really, really want to know more. I think I messaged you at the time. I'm like, hey, what's this thing about bugs? 
Mm. Yeah, I really want to know more because that's stuff like that's interesting because it's expanded universe. Stuff like that only helps enrich the content and the lore. Yeah, so I I really wish we we could have just seen one of whatever this was, even if it was just like you say, like uh, like an insurgency type of thing. But the whole uh, is it a stand up fight or just for the bug hunt? Like you say, are they referring to things like that because of this like ongoing fight that there's been in the past? Yeah. It'd have been nice to know. So I was I was kind of hoping it'd be the um, the UPP showing up. Yeah, you'll have to explain what the UPP <laughs> is to me. So uh, that is from the um, well. You're going to know soon if you read the one of the newer Alien comics coming out. It's based off of uh, Peter Briggs's unproduced. No, no. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. William Gibson. There you go. I got it. William Gibson's unproduced. Uh, Peter Briggs did AVP, right? Uh-huh. Yes, that's right. The first uh, AVP. That was the confusion. William Gibson's unproduced Alien Three screenplay, where um, it's it's I think it was right after Aliens, and so the Cold War was still going on, and it had a very very heavy Cold War vibes between the Colonial Marines and the Union of Progressive Progressive Peoples. Was that it? Yeah, that's right. Pretty much just space commies is mm-hmm. what they were. Oh, okay. So they they, yeah. they pretty much only they, they they appeared in that script, and that was the only thing they were in, and then they later showed up in. The DS game, Infestation. Wait, I played that. Really? I didn't know that. Yes. I, didn't, yeah. I thought that was just like Wayland Utani security forces, like in Alien School New Marines. Nope, nope. They were the UPP, and that was something I loved about that um, that game, actually. So I like it when uh, it shows the people that were making it were digging into the lore a bit more. But yeah, I mean, you've you've got the the adaption coming up as of recording in about two weeks. Um, so everybody be learning about the UPP soon. But yeah, I was I was just kind of hoping it it would have been like you know those guys, but it would have been so nice to have actually seen the anime. I didn't I disliked the idea of bugs as a description for a human, um, you know, a human force. I wouldn't have minded if it was some uh, extraterrestrial beasties, some other xenomorphs, you know, XX one two zero whatever. So that that um, ambiguity bugged me a little bit. But again, it's it's just like I was saying. It, it was little things. It was little things that were getting on my nerves with um yeah. with the series. There was another flashback sequence in regards to Zula signing up for the Colonial Marines, where she was a teenager, uh, and this was a really cool sequence. Just living in a really rough city, and uh, the Colonial Marines were there for recruitment, I guess. And she steals a sidearm from one, and they're pretty much about to shoot her, but. The commanding officer is like, no, I want to see how far she's willing to go to keep it. And then, like, it goes to 18 hours later. They have her cornered with a squad in a helicopter. And they essentially, you know, tell her, why don't you just earn that weapon and join up? And that's um, that that was a cool little sequence, I thought. Uh So, again, it felt very much like the Colonial Marines were portrayed as the bad guys in this. He was like Um, the only good guy Colonial Marine in the whole thing. Right. (laughs) <laughs> um so and that was kind of a weird vibe i mean i know like in in aliens they're they're portrayed as a a good force but they're not portrayed as you know any sort of moralistic heroes either so but this one specifically kind of painted them in a you know sinister bought off by wailing Utani military industrial complex light and it was kind of a, a weird vibe maybe not maybe not wrong just just kind of different than i was used to can I just say how much I did really love the characters in in this series as well? I mean, it, it had a pretty tight focus where it was pretty much just Zula, um, Davis One, and um, Hollis. And even even Hollis only shows up halfway through the run, but all three of those I really loved and really sort of engaged with. Uh, you know, I might have been poo pooing on Davis a bit earlier with um, with him having somewhat of a Pinocchio story, but there's. There's just moments of connection, like between him and um, him and Zula, that just made me really engage with them and uh, really interested in their story. And, and Zula herself, you know, I will never get sick of seeing good, um, you know, representation in in these series that I love. Alien has always been, you know, up front there with with the. Uh, with the female main character and being a badass, and then with Zula, you know, we we get African American and we get disabled, and you know, you know, it's I always go back to that story about never really realizing how important that was um, to people um, that weren't me, and now that I do, you know, sort of know how 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 small a thing it is, but how big a deal it makes to certain people. I do, I did like to see them pushing pushing out a little bit more and being a bit inclusive with her. 
for sure. And I feel the Alien series has always been one of the best in terms of stronger female characters. I think that's been done in, in right ways and it's been done in wrong ways. But in the Alien series with Amanda Ripley and Zula and Alan Ripley, it's only ever been done in the right way from what I've seen. I will say, though, as far as the movies go, I would like to see a female lead in a Predator film and a, and a male lead in an Alien film. <laughs> Just switch it up a bit. If only for the predictability of the stories. Right, right. But uh, no, I, I think Zula was a great character and it'll it'll be interesting to see her join up with Amanda Ripley in the next one because it, it was stated that they were friends on the Luna space station before they both shipped out uh, Amanda to go to Sevastopol and Zula to unexpectedly go on this you know, fugitive quest here. So I, I guess it's implied that at the end of Alien Isolation, you know, spoiler alert for those who haven't played the game, Amanda gets blown out of the ship that brought her there and then she's just kind of floating alone in space and you see a light uh, come up on her to imply that she was being retrieved and I'm guessing this will be uh, Zula and whatever I crew really she's hope, with now. really hope that is exactly where it picks off. What did you think of the uh, the character, Chevy? Which one, like Zula? Just, um, just in general, just just characters in general. I really like Zula. Like you said, it, it's it's so nice and refreshing to see someone with with such a really really a crippling uh, disability, but be so strong as well. Like she says, she'll go ten times as hard than the next guy just to prove that she's not uh, not a dead weight or anything like that. She she goes out there to prove that she can do it, and she's such a strong character. I think it's just towards the end with the fact that she's been messed up so bad without any treatment or anything like that. It's, it's the whole reason why it just gets so much in the end. Davis as well, he's... To be honest with you, to begin with, with, with uh, Davis, I found him to be very cold towards uh, Zula. But maybe that's because Zula was making those like internal comments like, why is he looking at me like that? Or if I turn around, he's going to see that I'm... I'm a mess, or but it comes off quite cold, like in the first two to three issues. I don't know if you guys felt that. No, initially, yeah, but <clears throat> I think even Zula commented on how he he was one of the like the only synthetic that she was comfortable around going on before there was a mutiny with the others. Yeah, Hollis as well. Again, uh, a, a really strong character. I mean, how many people can cut themselves open with a scalpel to remove? God knows what, really, from uh, her perspective. Just doing it on, I think it was, I mean, it can't have been strong enough to knock her out. So she must have felt like quite a bit of pain. But she she was up there again with being intelligent, really strong-willed, like a, a fight to survive. I think all the characters, really, the, the trio, were, were really good. So I was quite upset as well when it was implied that Hollis was killed off. But I'm glad, I'm glad that we're at least, we're at least getting Zula. And I'm hoping that Davis is going to make a return as well. And you you are seeing that more in the Predator series as well, especially with the recent comics like Hunters. Two really great female characters there. Uh, I thought Isabel in Predators was was a great female character. Uh, Casey Brackett in The Predator, I think they kind of went about that the wrong way. Personally, that the, that was just my thoughts on the matter. But but all the other instances of you know strong female leads in in Predator Hunters especially and in Predators with Isabel, I think they're also fantastic uh, additions. Mm-hmm. I mean, in terms of Davis, I do I do think we'll see him again. I mean, that that would have been the point, I suppose, of um, going down there and retrieving. Um, if it wasn't the CPU, whatever you know, whatever they actually got from him, I, I would assume and hope that the intent is to you know bring him back in another and another body because he got beat the hell up as well throughout the. Um, he was messed up by the end of it. Bless him. Took a good beating. What did you guys think of the episodic nature then? Have we talked about that? I can't remember. A little bit. It was interesting how almost everyone started the same where it was kind of like a TV series. You had the intro and then you had like a little credit sequence and the title. So Uh it was very much in a TV episodic nature, but still had, you know, story arcs, even in in the graphic novels, you know, volume one and volume two. uh, They felt like it was a contained story, even if it did lead up to the next one, which is always frustrating for me when when shows and even movies like prometheus like for me prometheus felt like it the whole thing was just a setup for a sequel uh-huh. and you see that with shows too you see shows that are just killing time uh, like the walking dead which viewership for that has just tanked and i used to be a huge fan of that show it feels like the show is just like spinning its wheels and trying to keep people engaged with story just not going anywhere and things just kind of repeating 
But that wasn't the case here. Uh, the story had a natural flow, a natural progression, and um, it, it didn't feel like they were just going from one episode to the next. It felt like it was planned, and and this was a, a whole story they wanted to tell, even if some of some of the uh, beats of that were a little uh, messily handled. One of the criticisms, I guess, is that it feels like there's a change in direction of, of the series. You know, the characters do a literal about-face. Did you feel like that was was planned or did you feel like that that was that was built into well or did did it seem abrupt to you that's kind of a mystery for me because i mean she does have a good point what they're doing is not sustainable um and it's kind of alluded to the whole thing that she's tempted to go back to see her doctor because she can't keep dealing with this shows she ultimately makes that choice and she's very um uneasy about the choice she made so I, I do think it was alluded to enough that it didn't just feel like that he had suddenly decided this. You know, this was something she was battling with through the series. I totally agree. I, I don't think it came out of nowhere. I think from episode one, you could tell she was struggling, even with treatment. So the fact that she'd been gone for so long, the ship's falling apart. Ew. So I, I agree. I agree with you, Bear, in that. I feel like it is, at least in terms of that particular angle of the story, is is built on it is established quite early so that that was one of the criticisms that i i did not agree with i mean yeah they do a literal about face but it is is all built into it It makes sense Uh, i do i'm not sure of the full story but i do think there were actually some changes in what they were going to do though because um did either of you notice the extra vehicular i know chevy you wouldn't have because you don't have the trades uh rich top did did you notice the um the little short at the back of all you what I did, yeah. What um, I thought that was just a, like a preview for a later issue. So that was the free comic book day short, if I remember rightly. And I think that would have come out around about issue one or issue two. And it was supposed to be related to a later, uh, a later thing. That's what I took it as, yeah. But it, but it, it never came up. No, it, it doesn't fit in. So, you know, that seems to... I'm pretty sure Tristan talked about this on on our forums actually, but that was all changed because by that point in 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 extravehicular, uh, they have one of the other Davises with them, and they have Hollis with them. But when they meet Hollis, all the other Davises are dead. Um, there was going to be this whole thing of like the unique alien design. Oh, was he was he was he unique in the thing? You see that changed. Um, you know the alien in um, extravehicular. I can't remember which way round it is. I probably should get the book off the shelf, actually. Yeah, it's kind of like a Praetorian, right? But it, it almost looks like the spitter from uh, Colonial Marines. Yeah. So that it was just it was just a big chap, I think, in the physical um, physical versions of of that issue that were given out, because originally Tristan wanted to do something with the big chap being responsible for um, egg morphing, and all that changed. There was little things in in there that just felt like perhaps it hadn't been as planned out, as well planned out as as perhaps it could have been, or felt like some things had been uh, quickly changed. I mean, again, nothing massive, um, but I definitely got that sort of impression that things had um, had moved around and not quite gone the way originally planned, which I think is kind of a bit, eh, when you're doing a 12-issue run, you'd want it planned out pretty well. But the episodic thing, I think, with it feeling like a TV show rather than a comic, uh, made me give it a bit more leeway because I, I expect the the things to evolve as they're going along. Don't you still not. see the? Sorry for the interruption. Don't you still see the Praetorian type alien in episode two? Because I'm looking at it. Yes, yes. You get like three panels of it or something. Yeah. And then it gets blown up because they did a figure on that one actually. Yeah, uh, Necker did anyway. I I don't like. Um... Again, I'm just not a big fan of, of egg morphing, so I'm glad that was only like kind of hinted at and not explicitly stated. It's just kind of like isolation. Like you, you really, it's just mysterious how this infection spread. If there was a queen, or if there was a um, queen molting or egg morphing, it's just kind of left to the imagination, which I think some of that's kind of good. You don't in isolation. If you saw a queen, I think it would have messed with the vibe a little bit. Even though I believe one of the developers did say that, yeah, there was probably just a queen on the station somewhere. Yeah, that's right. Um, they did. So yeah. Have I have, have I winced about the uh, the queen being let loose yet? I think we did a little bit. Just how she, you know, killed those yeah. those pirates, no. and then and the next time we saw her, she was dead. Well, not not so much that bit. But my other main issue with the series is them leading up to letting her loose. 
because I don't feel like they'd done a good enough job of making the situation look hopeless because it looked like they were frigging winning. I mean, yep, I agree. I think, yeah, you you mentioned earlier before we were recording, yep. didn't you? It's pretty much just panels of them succeeding in fighting the pirates off and then them going, no, we can't make this and just letting her loose. I mean, don't get me wrong, the fucking panels of her ripping people to shreds were amazing and her covered, covered in, blood. in blood. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Seriously, there's just so many panels in this series, you know, regardless of whether it's Tristan or Stephen Thompson or Tony Braschini. They were fucking look gorgeous. There's so many nice panels of aliens that make so many avatars for the forums. Yeah. Just off this series alone. Oh, brilliant. There's a few beautiful ones, like I say, with the one where the, the Colonial Marines are retreating and they've put down a, a claymore and it goes off and this alien it just comes through the door. It's smoking. It's it's like pocked and pitted. It's like yeah, that's you the title page six, isn't it? Yeah, it's so good. Yeah, I I know I said earlier that the story kind of felt like it was always planned, but yeah, I, I'm sure with these comics they naturally have some things that they have to change, and um, maybe they were always meant to go back to Earth, but maybe it was handled differently, and that's why you had the disjointed thing with the Queen, how she's just suddenly dead. And after they let her out, yeah, it doesn't feel like she's a threat. They just kind of ignore her, and then suddenly she's dead, and it's just like, what? So I feel like some of those things, um, they had to have been addressed somehow, and perhaps they just didn't have the time to or the scope to do that, unfortunately. But it, it was a solid comic and some really awesome artwork. I know there was, and I'm just glad we're getting the comics we are uh, at the frequency we are these days because there was a period after... Dark Horse had initially tried to reboot it with the Three World War arc, that there just wasn't a lot of um, comics for a good while. Oh, even before, even before that reboot, you know, the last one, the last series would have been the Xenogenesis series that I think were intended as a little bit of a reboot as well. And that just went silent until the 09. Yeah. Yeah, we had some lulls, but Dark Horse has just been on it these mm-hmm. days with so many different issues. And now with the unproduced screenplay, which I hope they continue, uh, they're doing Gibbs's. I hope they do Briggs's AVP script as well. That would be really cool. I would love to see Reds visualized. I really would. I'd love to see that alien space station, a Xenomorph space station. It's going to be madness. <laughs> <laughs> But no, I completely agree. I mean, I know, Chevy, you're not quite so into the comics, but even even with the novels as well, the novels and the comics, they're coming out so frequently. And, and in general, they are actually pretty good quality. You know, yeah, I do have some whinges about the, the big crossover events, but I still like them. Dead Orbit was amazing. Uh, Dust to Dust has been uh, pretty good so far. I still got issue three to um, to read, but now that we're finished doing this podcast, I, I can read something else. But that's been good. You know, uh, Hunters has been good. I'm just I'm so looking forward to pretty much just everything coming out, you know. And we're on Hunters too now as well. Mm-hmm. There's, yeah, there's just so much in terms of Titan with the books and Dark Horse with the graphic novels and comics. It's it's just been fantastic. Unfortunately, the the, the movies have been where I've been mainly let down. But uh, the expanded universe for me is where it's at right now. Indeed. Would you want to see them try and do another big series like this though, or would you rather this stick with the uh, you know the the four or five issue runs? I've always liked. A movie format more than I've liked episodic stuff. However, my opinion on that has been changing. You see with a lot of companies now, shows are big right now. I feel like movies in general have taken a, a really big dip in quality and shows have really gone up in quality. There's so many good shows right now by things like Netflix, um, Black Mirror. There's a lot of like great, so good shows right now that have really like opened me up to that format a bit more. Um, and now we have a rumored, uh, I should say, very, you know, unfounded rumor, as far as I understand, alien show that could be in the works. So that's something I think um, would would be good to see. I, I would like that rumor to be true, that you would know more than I were, and if that's uh, how well substantiated that is. I know something has been spoke about and um, was in the works exactly what format it will take or um, any specifics I, I couldn't possibly tell you or no at this point i'm afraid well we do have the the fan films coming too it'll be interesting to see how those turn out i'm sure we'll probably see them around alien day uh 2019 i would imagine mm-hmm. there's also the new game as well coming yep by cold forge cold iron 
Cold Iron, that's right. Cold Forge is the book. It's still a good oh, time to be an alien fan, even though the films have been let down, like say. Mm-hmm. But uh, Chevy, as somebody who's not quite, not quite, not really into the comics at all, yep. did reading Defiance did it open you up to the possibility of you know trying out more of the uh, more of the comic series, or was it not quite so? I think you've got me two more in order. Yes, I do. So that's good. <laughs> Uh, so th- there's that uh, but what I might do is I'll read them through episodically I'll keep them safe away from uh, a two year old's hands so they don't get mangled this time <laughs> and then I'll read them through front to back to get a better because uh. like I say reading it through over a year I think did more damage for me with defiance than what reading it through cover to cover did well, fair enough that's perfectly fair uh, fair comment does anybody have anything else left to say on Defiance then, or are we all exhausted? I think we'd all recommend it. So if you haven't read it yet uh, and you don't mind the spoilers we've just given you, then uh, check it out. It's worth it just for the artwork. Mm, that, that, that is a perfectly fair comment, actually. So much of this should be framed. <laughs> or being the next <laughs> um, next sort of art book style things that they do, like panel to panel. Definitely made me want to go back and play Alien Isolation, just mm. from seeing those nods. I loved how... <laughs> Because let's be honest, outside of Alien, we haven't really seen a lot of, you know, a great deal of, of architecture, of, of uh, that sort of design. Isolation really opened it up, and yes, it was original, but it still felt solely alien. And I think it was great that pretty much all the artists, actually, it wasn't just Tristan, all of them based a lot of um, the environments that were in the comics on what we'd seen in Isolation. It felt right, it felt alien um, and it made Defiance feel really more authentic as well because that's something some of the older comics are fuckers for. Like, number, even book one, I hate how little, you know, some of their tech looks like it belongs to Clone Marines. And, and to have the authenticity of, of these environments and, and the weaponry in, in Defiance was one of the things that I really loved. I really liked that they all went that far. Yeah. It was um, a couple of strange bits with that too. Like, like we had mentioned earlier, there were some inconsistencies in the Europa ship design that not only the, the ship was different, but one comic, it was literally like a Conestoga class ship, like the Sulaco, but then it had an Nostromo style bridge. And then in the next issue, the ship and the bridge were totally different. But again, most regardless of, of those uh, inconsistencies, you're right. The aesthetics were very much in line with the original Alien, although you had a lot of the Aliens elements as well with the Colonial Marines and their tech. So that was kind of a, a mix at times, but still very much, uh, very heavily, as far as the architecture and, and the environments, uh, you saw, if you've played through Isolation, you'll recognize a lot of spots, tech and architecture for sure. Well, I think we're pretty talked out with Defiance, so we are going to move on and start wrapping up. But before we get to the, uh, you know, the semi-scripted uh, finale um, that I love so much, I wanted to just read out something that we were sent in. So um, you can you can email us at podcast at avpgalaxy.net. And, and some people do. And I really appreciate, you know, um, getting comments from people with suggestions and um, hearing the thoughts on the show. I don't often read them out, though. That's the thing. I, I'll always send them. We've got a little group chat going off, so I'll post them in the group chat so we know that people are listening <laughs> and engaging. And we do appreciate because sometimes it does when when you're working on things and releasing them into the uh, the community and the fandom, it, it can feel a little empty if you're not um, not hearing anything back so it is really nice and what I'm going to start trying to do is, is read these things out is read these suggestions out um, and just have like a little discussion um, about them and open it up to more conversation uh, but this this particular one that I'm going to start with isn't uh, isn't a suggestion or anything like that it's, it's a question that, um, that this, this uh, listener would like to know so uh, this is from a fella called Larry Gallardo, and apologies if I butchered that name. Um, I'm sure our listeners will uh, realise just how crap I am at names. Um, so he, he says, hello, I'm Larry. I love the podcast. I'm new to fandom, but he's loving it um, thus far. Uh, I've been powering through most of the graphic novels, and I want to start reading the, the novels, you know, the books. I love Alien uh, and Predator and AVP, but I'm probably 34% AVP, uh, 33 Pred and 33 Alien. You know, it's fair enough, you know, pretty equal levels. Can't can't fault you there, Larry. And so far, his favourite has been the AVP Omnibus 1 um, with Machiko and uh, Broken Tusk, and he's loving 
the Fire and Stone series as well. He would like to know what novels we would recommend him starting with. So, I think it'd be pretty typical of me to say now, Cold Forge! Read the Cold Forge! (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, though, I think most of the Alien um, novels are quite standalone. If you're looking for a series to read, the only... The only thing you need to take into consideration is the Complete Omnibus, I think they're called. The ones that Titan have just put out. Complete Omnibus Volume 1 is a series of... Um, is a little trilogy that all do follow on. They set up that older of a universe, but in general, I think you can get on pretty well reading any of them. But if you just want a, a good, a really good um, sort of book to ease yourself in with, I couldn't possibly recommend anything other than Alien, The Cobbled Forge. What about you guys? Any 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 advances on that? So I would recommend if you're into uh, a bit of lore expanding, uh, even though there's a few frustrating parts, I would go for Alien, River of Pain, which takes place on Hadley's Hope before the fall. Yeah, okay. This is the right book, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's the right book, yeah. Um, So, Titan did sort of reboot... I wouldn't say reboot. um, They they started their own expanded universe that didn't take into account like any of the older Bantam stuff. Um, So they did their own little trilogy to kick it all off with. I say trilogy. They're all very loosely related. And um, River of Pain was the last one of them. You You can... I'd say... Aside from Sea of Sorrows, you could just pick up any of them and just jump into it. But Sea of Sorrows built on Out of the Shadows, and then the Rage yes. War built on those two. So those ones I would read in, in, in that order if you're going to go for it. The only other recommendation I'd do for that is go up a notch and go for the audio drama. Because with the uh, professional voice actors and actresses, and then sound effects from Alien Isolation, it's pretty, pretty wholesome. It's a a pretty great series. Mm. The audio dramas are phenomenal as far as I'm concerned. Fantastic adaptations. I I couldn't recommend those enough either. Rich Topper, you got uh, any recommendations for Larry? Yeah, so if you like the Machiko comic, I would recommend Steve Perry's uh, AVP Prey because it's just an adaptation of that first comic. I know you have some whinges with it, Aaron, but... I still think it was a solid novel. There is, there are two sequels to that. The one that's based on the the following comic is called War, but there was also an an original novel called um, Hunter's Planet, which most people hate. I actually really liked it. I thought it has dinosaurs in it, so I thought it was cool. <laughs> as far as the other novels go, I really liked DNA War, uh, one of the first novels, uh, one of the few novels, sorry, told in first person. Um, but I thought it did that really well and uh as far as predator novels go uh forever midnight i thought was okay what yeah you must be I, the only person that would recommend that book it, it was okay it wasn't great but it was still it was okay yeah. um the hish concept is a little iffy for sure but it was okay but definitely if you like the, the initial avp comics i'd recommend prey recommend hunter's planet and a recommend war mm-hmm. uh, if if i completely forgot to recommend any predator um, books didn't i um the the best ones are really hard to get hold of in my opinion south china sea. south china sea yeah that's yeah. typically regarded as the mm-hmm. best one but the 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 recent anthology book uh, if it bleeds i also could not recommend that enough that was a 10 out of 10 for me loads of short stories from pretty much all over the timeline all sorts of stuff that's uh, fantastic there's there was something in there for everybody as far as I was concerned. I would I would also recommend that. Yeah, okay, cool. So uh, thanks for writing in, Larry. Thanks for everybody else. And feel free to uh, drop us any, any other comments or any emails um, with podcast at avpgalaxy.net. We always do like feedback, like for real. When Aaron shares that, it's like, oh, this podcast is worth it. So <laughs> thank you, guys. Yeah, indeed. I couldn't agree more. But yes, cool. So now it's time for the uh, part of these that I love, and it's the uh, you know the end thing where I have to remember all our outlets and what have you. So yeah, thank you for listening. Regardless of how you found the podcast, we are available on a few different outlets. We're on Podbean. We're on. Um, you signed us up to Google Play, didn't you? Yeah, pretty yeah. sure. Um, we're on Google Play. We're on Stitcher. iTunes. iTunes. Uh, the website itself, and um, I do try and keep these um, uploaded on Facebook and not Facebook. Um, YouTube. So we're also on YouTube. AVP Galaxy, Alien vs Predator Galaxy. Um, I do have about four or five article um, scripts 
written up to uh, start churning out videos at some point soon. I'm just trying to get a nice backlog of uh, scripts ready for us to go with. We are on all the socials. We're on Facebook as Alien vs Predator Galaxy. We're on Twitter at AVP Galaxy and we are also on Instagram as uh, Alien vs Predator Galaxy. And if you're listening to the podcast and you're not actually massively aware of the website, we are a, a whole web community and a whole website and that is AVP Galaxy. Net. If you are interested in stalking me personally, um, my personal Twitter account is at underscore Corporal Higgs. Um, if you want to stalk Ridgetop, what's what's yours, bro? Twitter and Instagram are both at Ridgetop21. And Chevy, do you, do you care for cyberstalking? Yeah, sure. So on Twitter, at CTChevy86. Cool. And I think that's was all done. All good. So this has been Corporal Higgs. And Ridgetop. And Chevy. Signing off.